G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 29 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Ruben Garmas from BidSketch, absolutely beautiful proposal software for sending proposals to your clients. If you are a web designer or a freelancer or consultant of, of any sort, you should definitely be checking out BidSketch to send beautiful proposals to your clients. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm a huge fan of BidSketch, and I'm Slightly uh, chuffed to be uh, finally meeting Ruben from BidSketch. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. Um, what I love about this interview is Ruben talks about, you know, we, we always talk about the lean startup approach to developing products. Ruben's got this great way of, of using the lean startup approach to developing free content. So developing free eBooks that he gives away, which are really good quality eBooks and, and drive a lot of sales for his, uh, for his app. He uses the lean startup approach to develop that free content, which means he's not developing free content, which is going to waste. He's developing free content based on what his potential new customers have told him they want. It's fascinating insight. This guy's got a huge brain <laughs> and um, he's very switched on and has got a great approach to online marketing and customer development. I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of this interview. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by WP Elevation, the world's first business accelerator program designed to help WordPress consultants attract better quality clients, work on better, more interesting projects, and of course, get paid better fees. Uh, in this episode, as I mentioned, we speak with Ruben Garmas from BidSketch, and it's there's tons of gold in this interview. Uh, one thing that he talks about, I'm, I'm actually going to roll into the elevation tip of the week, which is using your customer's language to communicate your proposal back to them. And this is something I know that has made a huge difference to my conversion rate with proposals. If you can ask the right kinds of questions of your of your prospect about what it is they're expecting to achieve with a new website strategy, and then use that language in the proposal that you feed back to them. It goes a long way to encouraging your, your prospect that you understand and you empathize with their challenges and therefore you are automatically credited with having the answers and the solutions to those challenges. So I really encourage you to start using the language that your prospect uses when they communicate to you what it is, the, the problem that they're trying to solve. When they communicate that to you, listen to the language they use and use that language when you back to them when you write the proposal. Ruben talks a little bit more about that in this interview. I hope you enjoy learning uh, from Ruben as much as I did. So without further ado, let's meet Ruben Garmas from BidSketch. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very excited to have with me all the way from Washington, Ruben Garmas from BidSketch. Good afternoon, Ruben. How are you, man? Good, good. Thanks for inviting me on here. No worries. Thank you for joining us on the WP Elevation podcast. Now, what time of the day is it where you are right now? Uh, it's, I had to look at the uh, clock because I woke, wake up kind of late, so I never really know what time it is. Uh, it's like one o'clock right now. Okay. One o'clock. That's not too bad. Yeah. So it's 8am here. So it's not, it's not too bad. Usually it's like I'm getting up at like seven o'clock in the morning and you got whoever I'm interviewing is like seven o'clock at night. So we've, oh, quite, yeah. you know, we've kind of got a few hours crossover here during the daytime, which yeah, is kind of cool. This is pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, for those that don't know, Ruben is founder of BidSketch, which if anyone knows me and knows WP Elevation, we are huge fans. I've been using it myself for quite some time now, and we recommend it to all of our WP Elevation members. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in more detail. But before we get into the interview, Ruben has very kindly sponsored a year's worth of BidSketch on whatever plan you choose uh, for this week's competition. So stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. All right, Ruben, before we start talking about all things startup and webbish, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Huh. Uh, huh interesting question. I don't, I don't know that I, I can't, you know what? I can't remember ever wanting to be anything as a kid. Um, the only thing I do remember, it's so weird, is uh, in like elementary school or something like that, I remember um, we had to draw like what you want it to be, you know, like uh -huh. when you grow up. And uh, I don't remember the details, but I do remember that I drew like money, money. And it was basically like I wanted to be rich. <laughs> That's what it was. 
Um, maybe because we were, you know, poor growing up, didn't have a lot of money. So that was like, that's, that's what I want to be. I don't know, whatever it is that it takes to be that. That's awesome. I love that because you kind of had the goal in mind, not necessarily how you were going to get there, but you just had the goal in mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I get a lot of, uh, particularly with, with guests in the States, we always get like astronaut, which, you know, in Australia, no one wants to be an astronaut because we don't have a space, you know, a space uh, <laughs> mission. So uh, that's cool. So, um, and so at what point, at what point did you just, did you discover that the internet might be something that you might be able to use in order to achieve your dreams? Um, so I got started really late with computers. I didn't like, I didn't own a computer and we didn't know anybody that had a computer for, you know, uh, up until I was about like in my early twenties. So, um, yeah, even even like I actually enrolled in uh, this shady sort of college thing, I guess if you want to call it that, to uh, do computer programming because I, I I was working as a security guard and I met um, a programmer at American Express. That was the building that I was guarding at the at the time, and he he said was asking me what I wanted to do, um, and I said, well, I'm going going to go to school for something, and he was like, you should do computer programming. I was like, uh, you know, I thought. Well, I, I, I don't even, you know, I've never been on the internet, whatever that means. I don't know anything about computers or whatever, you know, the sound of unrealistic. But, but um, I do remember he pulled out this check from his pocket. He's like, it was a, a stub, pay stub or something like that. And at the time I was making like $6 an hour or something. Like that's the most I'd made, right? Um, so then he pulled it out and he showed me and it was like, like several thousands of dollars. And he was like, this is how much... I get paid every two weeks uh, and that just blew my mind. I was like, wait a minute, maybe I'll check into this like computer and internet, you know, stuff. Wow. Um, it's funny. And that's actually why I enrolled in a, in a, in a uh, class for that, but I didn't even have a computer back then. Uh, and I was doing like, um, you know, C plus plus was the first language and I didn't know anything about like anything. Right. So they gave me a textbook and I'm going through, with like a notepad and a pencil writing programs, right? And like trying to visualize what this, what they're talking about for like a couple of months until eventually I got a computer. Um, wow. But, but um, I think it was like when I got the computer, it was like, okay, now let me go on the internet, whatever that means. You know, I didn't know what the, what the internet, it was like I had this fuzzy idea um, and I think I got like an America online disc or something like that, you know, yeah. like, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember it, that was a failure. Like I, <laughs> I, uh, I installed it and all that stuff. And, and back then it was like you, um, uh, they have their interface. So instead of like giving you a browser and you're like, um, you know, search for stuff and whatever, it was like this, like GUI of stuff, like all this widgets and, you know, stuff and like links and like all this stuff. And I'm like, is this the internet? <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I, you know, I'm like, do I do something? Do I, I, I couldn't figure it out. And literally I sat there for like five minutes trying to figure out like if I was on the internet or if I was supposed to do something or what, and I couldn't figure it out. So I just like closed it out and I was like, this, this I don't understand why this internet thing is a big deal. <laughs> Because <laughs> you weren't on the internet, you were stuck in the AOL interface. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I never got past that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know that you know that guy that you met when you were a security guard, that guy that pulled that check out of his pocket. Have you ever kind of like reached out to him again and said, "Hey, man, thanks for the advice. It's turned out pretty well." No, I'd like to. I'd like to. I don't know how to get wow. a hold of him. Wow, but that, that would a, be cool. Such a random yeah. meeting that that seems right. like it, it had such a big impact. On on uh, on your journey, yeah, yeah. It, well, it's funny how small you know how small stuff like that can you know have a really big impact. Yeah, right. And so, when when did you discover? Because BidSketch, for those that don't know, BidSketch is online uh, quoting software for freelancers. Uh, I don't know whether it's aimed at web freelancers, but it's certainly used by a lot of web freelancers. So I use it to put together proposals for my clients. So it's a software as a service app. It's a hosted software as a service app. So when did you when did you discover that 
software as a service was something that that you were going to pursue and put a lot of effort into and try and make a business out of? Um, well, I guess it started really with like wanting to do products in general. So fast forward, like I eventually like got figured out the internet thing, right? How to how to get online and, and do stuff, and uh, started actually learning how to program a little. Uh, Got you know, got work and eventually uh, was managing. Got up to a point of where like, you know, I, I did web development for a few years. Built out like, you know, uh, content management systems and uh, like who hasn't that that's done uh, web development work uh, and uh, you know other web apps and stuff like that, right? And I remember thinking uh, sometimes the companies uh, would buy them and maintain you know, and I'd sort of like fix them up and maintain them. And I remember thinking, wow. Like they're paying a lot of money for this stuff. I could build this, right? I could build something like this and charge and, and make money for it. Like I'm maintaining it. Sometimes I'm building some of this stuff. Um, so for me, that model sort of made sense. You know what I mean? Because that's what I knew. Like just thinking of, I knew that other people were making like downloadable uh, apps and products and you know different things. But to me, that like or stuff that you installed on servers and whatever, that stuff was super risky and scary to me because um, like the thought of having to support like different operating systems and all, you know what I mean? It was, it was just like, like it just seemed like too much work. So to me, um, just having nice, like a, a one web app centralized that you took care of, right? And that people, uh, people uh, visited through the internet and used the service that totally just made a lot of sense to me. Wow. And so when so you learned to code. So what 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 languages did you were you learning to code at that point? So um, I like the very first thing was the C plus plus that I mentioned, but I didn't really you know I didn't never did a whole ton with it. Um, just enough to kind of get familiar with with that, and then um, that's all I really learned there. I sort of dropped out. Uh, I then had a job doing tech support. Right for compact computers, uh, that's why I kind of dropped. I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm in tech. That's it. You know, that's all I need." Uh, and and while I was in there, I actually found this site called uh, WebMonkey, uh-huh. uh, which is like a you know wired site and stuff like that. And they had tutorials on, on uh, HTML and you know SQL and all. So I did. I went through a ton of their tutorials. I started with uh, you know HTML, CSS, JavaScript. Um, Cold Fusion, SQL, like I learned all that from from their tutorials. Wow! And I just spent all day, like in between calls, while talking to people, just in Notepad, writing right code and going through the tutorials and stuff. Um, yeah, so it was mainly the the first job that I got actually doing it was Cold Fusion. Right. <clears throat> and then from there, I did uh, ASP, um, a little bit of Python, uh, then a lot. Java was the thing that I did the most. Right. And just out of curiosity, completely off topic, what's BidSketch yeah. written in? It's uh, Ruby on Rails. It's Ruby on Rails. Yeah. Um, I know the, web, the WebMonkey website. I still have, they have this great cheat sheet which shows oh. you how to, like what, what the HTML uh, codes are for non-alphanumeric characters. So if you want to put right. like an ampersand or a, a hash uh, pound sign or something, what the actual HTML string is for that. And I still have that cheat sheet saved as one of my favorite bookmarks and I use it all the time just to make sure I'm using the right oh, yeah. syntax. It's great Yeah, that resource. was great. I use that all the time too. That was great. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when you meet someone for the first time these days and they say, hey, Ruben, what do you do? How do you kind of sum that up in one sentence? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? It depends on who I'm talking to, right? Um, because like my mother, one of her friends or something like they have no idea what, you know, they're like, oh, can you fix my computer? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so if it's somebody who's not really into tech, I'll just say that I, I, uh, own a small software company or something like that. Right. Right. So, uh, if it's somebody, somebody that knows a little bit more then I'll just say that I'm a founder for, uh, you know, a web application that lets freelancers and agencies create uh, client proposals. Uh-huh. Nice. That's nice and succinct. Did it take you kind of a long time to come up with that? Because what I really like about this elevator pitch is that you name who your target audience is mm-hmm. and that you, out, you, t- you, you name the kind of the benefit of, of what they, you know. So I, I, I own a web app that allows freelancers and, and agencies to 
to deliver client proposals. So you actually are quite specific about what it is you do. Did you kind of workshop that a while or did it just kind of happen organically? Um, yeah, it's kind of uh, like something that I've kind of tested with headlines and stuff like that. So if, if, if I'm talking about like uh, do, um, trying to really spell out the benefits to, to somebody, then I'll say um, professional looking client proposals that they can create fast, like in minutes, really, or the easiest way to create professional looking client proposals, right? Yeah. I'll state it in that way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just taken from doing a lot of testing with uh, like actual micro surveys, asking people what's most important to them and what's the biggest benefit, and then translating that into copy that I test. And it's funny, I think this is really important because I'm going to tell you how I discovered BidSketch, right? When I started an agency uh, about, I don't know, four and a half, five years ago in Melbourne, we were using, at the time, we were using MYOB, which is like a desktop accounting package, right? It's kind of, it's kind of like QuickBooks in Australia. And the invoices that it produces are just horrible, right? And we're a design firm. So and I, I was like, well, I can't send these invoices to clients. They look awful. So we, right. we migrated to a cloud-based accounting system called Xero when it had just okay. kind of launched. And Xero allowed us to produce beautiful-looking invoices. And then for, so for a couple of years, we had this kind of workaround where we would send an invoice, but we would just change the word invoice to quote, and that would mm. be kind of our proposal. Right. And then that wasn't working for us. And, I, and so I went looking for beautiful online client proposals that was kind of they were the phrases that i was looking for that was the problem that i was trying to solve and i found and i found that's how i originally found bitsketch and i found a couple of other options as well but we we settled on bitsketch because it allowed us to produce beautiful looking client proposals and as a design firm that was really important so whatever work whatever research you're doing here and putting into the sales copy is working because that's exactly the solution that we went looking for Cool. That's great. That's great to hear. It actually probably helped that I started initially with uh, focused on designers. So the very like the very first tagline was something like, um, you know, like uh, client proposals or I don't remember it exactly, but it was basically uh, uh, create professional looking client proposals for designers. It yeah. said for designers on there. Yeah. Right. And again, just a little bit off topic, but I remember I was watching the Mixergy interview that you did with Andrew Warner. Uh, you did that a couple of years ago, but I just kind of re- I rewatched it last night just to refresh my memory. And I'd forgotten. I, in fact, I don't even know that I realized that before BitSketch, you had this thing called Estimate Helper, right? Where you could, you could, we used to use that. So I didn't really? even, I never made the connection because oh, I was crap. watching the interview last night. And I was like, oh my God, we, you, we used to use that. We just like, you basically put in the hours that you think you're going right. to spend on a project, what your hourly rate is, and then estimate helper would allow you to kind of come up with a total that you should quote the client. Right. And that, and that was kind of the genesis of BidSketch, right? Can you, can you walk us through that process? Yeah, that's so funny. I've never actually met anybody that, that's used that. <laughs> uh, that was an ex- totally an experiment and that was... Um, I created that as a way to, I figured, um, I need to get traffic to get people right for this, for BitSketch eventually. So maybe if I create a free tool that focuses on another problem area, which is like closely related to proposals, which is actually creating the estimates, right? Um, then I'll get, generate a bunch of traffic and I, you know, that'll help me, uh, um, get some sales on BitSketch. So I, that's, I created that. I spent like a month, uh, maybe two, you know, somewhere around there, um, creating it in this new language and framework that I didn't know. So I was also practicing and stuff like that. And uh, so you got a little spike of traffic at the beginning and then that's it. It really tailed off and nothing happened with that. What I didn't realize back then was that just because you create something free and, you know, uh, it doesn't mean that anybody's gonna is going to uh, find it and it's going to get really popular and you're going to get a bunch of traffic from it, right? You have to actually go out and promote it just like anything else. So that's that's the thing. You know, that was my first big lesson there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's like whenever you hear, we, we we get this all the time, and you hear it when you start working with a client and you start talking about their marketing strategy and they say, oh yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna create these free videos and they're gonna go viral. And I just, <laughs> I just have to stop myself from just bursting out laughing because you know, 
it's great when you can reverse engineer why something went viral, but you can't write on a whiteboard, you can't plan viral no. marketing as part of your strategy. It's just not, you know, chances are it's not going to happen. Um, it's, it's crazy hard and everybody's trying to do it. Actually, yeah. the closest that I've ever heard somebody come to that, like being able to engineer viral uh, is, I don't remember this guy, Emerson. I think it's Emerson Sparks or something like that. Um, he he basically repeated has this repeatable process to where he watches things that are going viral. So his his concept is instead of like um, creating like viral, trying to come up with something new that will become viral, I watch things that are already that have potential or are kind of on, on the upswing, and then I'll sort of repackage or reuse it, put it in a different envelope, and you know give it my own slant. Yeah. And, have that go but essentially he's, the work is already done right like yep. this is catching on fire this is so that's the closest that i've ever heard of yeah but still like an imperfect thing right yeah it's, it's, it's exactly it's I, I, I saw this ted talk once and there was a there was a, a guy from youtube there was talking about you know basically was like how to make viral videos and he was just kind of doing a case study on all these videos that had gone viral and i was mm -hmm. watching the ted talk and i was kind of screaming at the computer saying but what you're failing to mention is that nobody knew they were going to go viral before they right. went viral, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so what do, you, what do you actually spend most of your time doing day to day? Are you still on the tools? Are you still coding or are you kind of now running a company? Um, it's different every day. It's never the same. So um, there aren't really many things that I do like my I have to do this on a daily basis or weekly basis even. So it's like I can spend um, a whole day doing uh, digging into data analytics and you know uh, research data and, and coming up with a new onboarding experiment, right? Like uh, doing a new onboarding floor, a new uh, uh, sign-up floor or something like that, right? Uh, doing customer interviews all day to, to get me some good data for stuff like that. Doing the coding to, uh, you know, to actually uh, implement the marketing experiments. Um, I don't really code for features anymore. Like I have developers that do features, so I don't like to bother them for easier coding, which is like related to marketing stuff. Um, also working with contractors, recruiting new contractors, doing, um, you know, uh, there's a, yeah, it's just a lot of different things. It's always different. And how do you, how do you know, like, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing from one day to the next? Like, obviously, you look at your to-do list and you say, okay, well, there's a lot of things here that I need to do. How do you triage and work out what's the most important stuff that needs to get done now and what can wait till later? So uh, I work backwards, right? So um, I basically have, like a few weeks ago, I did my yearly goals. So it's like, okay, uh, yearly goal is to, you know, 2x uh, revenue, right, uh, over last year. So that means that, uh, it's this sort of a run rate. Uh, that means that I need to get this many new trials in, right, uh, on a daily basis, like really define it down, then say, okay, how can I get there? So I can obviously increase traffic, uh, uh, increase conversions, uh, and just sort of play with scenarios and say, okay, what's more likely to happen? Like I'm kind of topping out on conversions in these areas, but I think I can get it up to here, uh, which means that I'll need this much more traffic, right? Uh, so then once I work out those numbers, uh, I set a priority of like, okay, what's the low hanging fruit, uh, right? So this is low hanging fruit. I'll go through that in order. I'll create a list of all the stuff and that sort of like guides my week. And then I'll get to, I'll also sometimes start things that are not low hanging fruit, but let's say SEO, it takes time, right? So let's just get, get this going because this is going to take some time. And all the, all the kind of marketing stuff like the conversion optimizations and the SEO and social and all that kind of stuff, do you manage all that in-house or do you have third-party agencies that you contract stuff out to? No, um, I do all of that or most of that myself. Wow. Uh, so I recently hired somebody. I mean, I'll contract writers to help with some of that, right? So I'll, I'll do outlines and stuff like that. But as far as strategy and, you know, all that, I, I do that myself. Um, I do get help and sometimes uh, I'll ask for advice from, from certain people, right? Like if I'm, if I'm tackling something new that I haven't done before or uh, an area that um, I may get stuck in for a little bit, I'll, I'll reach out to people. 
Um, I recently hired somebody to help me out with SEO stuff because uh, while SEO is not that tough uh, in some ways, um, it takes time and you have to keep up what's what's new and all that stuff, right? So I'd rather just, um, you know, I got a recommendation from uh, from Andrew Dumont of mm-hmm. somebody, you know, a freelancer that, that uh, he knows who's really good and I reached out to him and said, okay, hey, um, I'd love uh, if you could help me out with a few things. This is my SEO strategy. This is what I'm going for. Uh, and so that's how I'm working with him. But generally, most of the stuff I, I do myself, uh, except for the actual implementation. The actual implementation, I, uh, you know, get contractors and stuff to help out. With. Sure. <clears throat> do you sleep much? <laughs> yeah, a lot. Uh, too much. Um, well, because it sounds like you're very busy. I work like... Nowadays, I'm working a little bit more. Um, nowadays, I'm working about, let's say, four to six hours a day, um, so, which is still not a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they're pretty productive hours, right? So it's not like uh, six hours at a day job where like most people in a day job are really only working maybe an hour out of those six hours. <laughs> you know, it's eight hours and they're doing like one hour, maybe two, right? Yeah. So uh, when it's your own business and stuff, you're like, you know, you have to make it count. Otherwise, you know, uh, spending a bunch of time on Facebook or Twitter or whatever is not the, the most productive thing. Like why, why sit here in my office and pretend to work like it doesn't make sense? Yeah. So what do you, what do, you do when you're not working? How do you unwind and, and get your head out of the tech space? Uh, we do a lot of hiking. We like to spend a lot of time outdoors, so traveling a lot. Um, it's a little harder now that uh, I have a 13-month-old. Oh, uh, congratulations. Uh, thanks, thanks. Uh, it's great for uh, in a lot of ways. It's not so great uh, when it comes to traveling <laughs> um, because long flights are, you know, obviously a problem and they're not going to happen. Um, but we still travel, uh, you know hiking, uh, skiing, snowboarding, stuff like that. Cool. So it, it's a really common thread that a lot of entrepreneurs in the tech space, they are quite active physically when they're not working because when they're working, it's all about the mind and the body's just kind of sitting there in front of computers. So when they're not doing that, they're keen to get outside and get the blood pumping and get the oxygen flowing and stay in shape. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exercise is a really, it's a huge thing for me. So that's why I... I'll, you know, I'll work less, even if I have stuff to do, I'll, I'll, I'll make it a, you know, if I say, well, I, you know, I had all this other house stuff to do or whatever. Um, I'll maybe get three hours of work done today. Um, but I still have to work out. So really it means I'm going to get like two hours of work done. Like that's how, you know, it's a, it takes priority over getting work done. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really, uh, refreshing to hear. And I, I imagine that you're able to do that because you've got a team that you can rely on to actually keep the machine rolling so that you don't have to be working sort of, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in the early days, right. I was doing most of everything, right. Like implementation, even then I was still kind of outsourcing. You can, you know, you can always find people in different countries at, at lower, at a lower rate, right. To, to outsource to and all that stuff. Uh, it's, Still not easy, um, you know, because quality can, you know, be questionable and all this stuff. So it may may take a little bit more time to manage. Um, and, but I've always used, uh, I've always outsourced, right? So now nowadays I'm able to afford um, higher quality, like contractors and, and, and people. I have a full-time, uh, full-time uh, employee in, in uh, she just moved. She was in Seattle. She just moved to Portland. Uh-huh. Um, and then two full-time contra- contract developers in Argentina and stuff. Uh, and then, you know, several contract writers and, and, and all this stuff. But um, even that can get very difficult to where you're just managing people all day, mm. right? Uh, what I try to do is hire people that don't need that. Yeah. That are really, really, really good to, to where uh, you just leave them alone and you know, they get work stuff done. I still have to create like, you know, high level things in, in Trello or, or, you know, uh, be kind of specific in some areas, but, uh, then that's it. Like, I don't, you know, once they're done, they're like, Hey, check this out. This, this is what I have. I'll, I'll look it over. You know, I maybe give a little bit of feedback 
and that's it. It's very different working with somebody like that versus somebody who, you know, you're basically uh, paying a lot less and then saying, well, I can, I can get the work there. I can, if I you guide them, right. That's, that's, that's tough. Yeah. It can help though. It can help in the early days. Micromanaging, uh, you know, we, we have staff in the Philippines. We've had staff in the Philippines in the past. We've still got a developer in the Philippines. I've also got an assistant yeah. who works for me out of Pennsylvania. And managing, when there are, when there are big cultural and language differences, the, mm. the micromanaging sometimes can outweigh the economic benefit of yeah. employing staff in those emerging economies for sure. It's definitely, uh, there's a, the, the, there's a, you've got to get a lot of systems and processes and communication in place to, right. uh, yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, by the way, for those that don't know, uh, uh, Ruben mentioned Andrew Demont before from Moz. I'm going to put a link. Everything we're talking about, I'm going to put in the show notes underneath this. Andrew Demont is business dev at Moz, and I interviewed him recently on the podcast, so I'll stick a link. And that's actually how uh, I, I ask everyone at the end of the interview, who do you want me to interview? And Andrew said, Ruben from BidSketch. And I'm like, ah, awesome, because you were on my list anyway. I wanted to interview you anyway. Cool. So uh, thank you, Andrew. I'm going to send Andrew a link to this interview when we're done, by the way. Yeah, Andrew, Andrew is no longer with Moz, by the way. Ah, he's not with Moz anymore. No, yeah, he's, uh, he's got something cooking, I bet, but he's not with them anymore. So he, is he still, because uh, he's, he's got Stride app, is yeah, that right? Yeah, he doesn't have that anymore either. Oh, really? I, I have to yeah, reach out to him and see what he's to, up to. Uh, he sold it to uh, Neil Patel and Heaton Shaw. Ah, right. Okay. Wow. A lot of stuff going on for him. Nice. I like Stride. It's a good app, and I like yeah, I like yeah, I like Neil Patel too. He he. Uh, we're actually his marketing agency, Single Grain, are doing a bunch of work for us at the moment. Oh yeah. It. Yeah yeah. Cool. So, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, I've heard of them. I've seen them around a lot and all that stuff. I'll ask you a few questions after the interview. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. They 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 they're very they they're good guys, and I'm not just saying that because we're on air. They are actually really good guys. Um, cool. Okay, when, so how, how did you get, just talk about BidSketch for a second. How did you yep. get your first 10 customers? How did you get your first 10 customers to pay you money and say, this is a great idea and I'm going to give you my credit card details for the privilege of using it? Uh, so I'd say that I got those customers even before I launched or even before I had a uh, finished product, right? I got them uh, on in, by getting people on an email list. So... Uh, by the time I launched, I already had a list of people that were interested. Um, not everyone bought, but uh, you know, once I, I did a private launch, um, gave an incentive, right? Said uh, that the price is going to be much lower than you know. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but it was going to be much lower than uh, it will be after it goes live in three days or five days. Uh, so they have that much time to take advantage of you know of that, and then eventually it'll go up. It's true, and um, I think it might have been like like something really cheap, like nine dollars a month, mm -hmm. or you know. And so that plan nowadays is uh, what I sell for a hundred and fifty dollars a month, right? One hundred forty nine dollars a month. So wow. there's still people on that plan. Wow. <laughs> they get a great deal. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh... So three things here, uh, email, email list, scarcity, and price anchoring. So the right. scarcity and price anchoring was we're doing an internal launch for four days. You can get this at this price, and after that, it goes up to this price. Yeah? I hope you're listening, kids. That was worth the price of admission alone. Scarcity and price anchoring. But more importantly, how did you build an email list in the first place? How did you get people into your email database? Mm. Uh, I started by, even before I started writing code, I started by writing, uh, by blogging, really. Uh, so the first thing that I did, very first thing I did after doing some keyword research to measure demand, see if, you know, people were searching for uh, proposal software with nobody, uh, nobody was, like people were searching for templates and stuff like that, uh, which I thought was close enough for me. Uh, there was demand, they were doing it. I wanted to support the, like, support existing behavior, right? They were writing them. Um, I didn't want to say like, oh, nobody's writing proposals, so I'll create a proposal tool, right? And convince them to write proposals, which you know sometimes uh, people do, uh, which is hard, super hard. Um, so once I decided to do that, I just started uh, blogging, but I, I didn't have an audience. Nobody knew who I was. So uh, my blog posts were very focused on what people were searching for. I said, you know, this is the easiest way to, for me to get an audience, right? 
basically find, uh, get um, be found by people who are searching for these things, like how to increase your rates, how to whatever, right? Um, how to write uh, web design proposal, etc., and write posts uh, that address those things. And so from, from there, that's that's where I sort of how was it exactly? I actually had an ad. I didn't have. If I was smarter, I would have had like an email sign up on there on those posts on the blog. But I didn't. I had like an ad that went to the landing page. That's another way of doing it. It's just mm. indirect, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I was leaking traffic, um, and then on that landing page, it had like a little bullet list that gave the benefits, and people gave their email address if they were interested. Eventually, I increased that by offering a free proposal template if uh-huh. they entered their email address. <clears throat> that, that helped. That's right. I think I, I'm pretty sure I got that free proposal template. Um, and that, and I think that was like one of those pieces of content that I got. That, and it, in my mind, it was it solidified that you knew what you were doing. It solidified that here's someone who... Because, you know, when, when, you, when you interact, when you buy something online or you put your name into an email form online, you're kind of interacting with a website and there's no human... Right. element to it so when i got that free piece of content i was like okay there's a person behind this who actually knows what they're doing and they have a particular skill set and what i'm buying is i'm buying the technology that they've developed based on their knowledge i'm not buying software i'm buying their skill set and the systems and processes that they've developed to help me run my business right interesting it's a, i like that way of looking at it um it's, that's a pretty good insight uh it matters like the content that you put out there and any incentives and all that stuff if they can be directly aligned in that sort of way i think it can it can be pretty helpful yeah um i'm going to talk about your content uh you you guys produce some fantastic content you've got a an ebook at the moment on your blog um i can't remember exactly what it's called but it's 16 ways to marketing uh, simple marketing uh tactics to get more clients there you go 16 simple marketing tactics to get more clients uh, and now somebody in our elevation program sent me that and said, you should read this because it's very closely aligned with what we talk about in the program. And I said, oh, yeah, fair enough. And, and I thought, oh, it's from BitSketch. Okay, it's cool. So I downloaded it and read through it. And I was just sitting there just ticking the boxes going, yes, exactly. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that's when I reached out to you and said, hey, we should do something with this, with this uh, ebook, so we're, we're going to announce this soon, and it'll be live by the time this goes to air. But we're doing a promotion where we're doing a co-branding of this ebook because it's fab, it's fantastic content. And the reason I like this is because here's something that we've been saying to our members that now someone else is saying <laughs> to their audience. So for us, it's it's credibility that we're not the only people teaching right. this stuff. Yeah, it's coming from a third-party source that we all respect, and a lot of our members use uh, BidSketch. And in my, so in my mind, what I'd like to do is offer that content to our audience, but also bring our audience closer to BidSketch. And so that idea of doing a content JV where no money's changing hands, we're not, we're not a BidSketch affiliate, and Ruben's not an affiliate for WP Elevation. I'm just saying here's some great content, you guys have it, and go to Ruben's website, sign up, download it, and go and have a look at what BidSketch are doing. Uh, it, it's, a, you know, it's a great for me, it's the new form of marketing. There's, it's low cost. You've already produced the content. We're not running any ads. No one's paying for any traffic. It's just a right. great organic content JV. Yeah, I like that. Actually, uh, I've never done. I've done several JVs. I've never done one like this, um, which is really, really interesting. Like once you you approached me about it, I was like, huh. I like I like I like what he's doing. This is this is pretty clever. This yeah, we'll we'll see how it rolls out. So so uh, anyway, this is a post mortem because it'll be live by the time this interview goes up. But uh, uh, I'll, I'm also giving away a free webinar with that ebook. So people go and download the ebook. They then get the opportunity to get on a free webinar with me, where I'm actually going to walk through the ebook and show them how they can apply those tactics practically nice. into their WordPress consulting business. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it uh, how it pans out. How do you, but my question is, how do you plan your content strategy? How do you know that 16 marketing tactics to get more clients, I mean, okay, sure, it, it pushes some buttons and, and there's obviously some, some things that are going to appeal to the audience, but how do you know that that's the best piece of content to produce right now and, and put some resources and effort into that? So um, how did I do that one? Okay. Um, 
Right. So what, I, what we did for that one was I knew that I wanted to do a, a different incentive than what I had on, on the blog. So what I had on there was uh, um, uh, write, I think it was like writing the perfect, uh, the elements of a perfect proposal, right? Which is way, very much in line with, with the product. Um, so it's good from that perspective, but it doesn't have a wide appeal, right? So um, uh, I wanted to get more people on the list because um, even if they weren't, uh, if they're not, never going to be BidSketch customers, still to have them on the list because they can help promote the content, right? And uh, like by retweeting and, and stuff like that, if they really like a, a post or not or an article, uh, which brings in more people and some of those people might be customers, right? So uh, the thought was, okay, let's find something that's really key. Um, I have like survey data and all that stuff to where I ask people what were you know, the biggest things that you struggle with. So I started with that, right? Like the common answers. I took uh, some of those and uh, I ran a um, Qualaroo survey. Uh -huh. uh, you're familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. The micro survey uh, that, that pops up on, on your site, yep. the bottom right. And you ask like a, one question, it's really simple. Nowadays you can ask like a follow-up question. But I asked, uh, what, what would you be most interested in downloading or getting? Something like that, right? And it basically had kind of high level, like a, an ebook on getting more clients, an ebook on charging more, right? Raising your rates or something like that. So there were a few things. And um, I think marketing, you know, something about marketing or getting more clients was one of them. And then I took that and ran another Qualaroo survey. So let's get more specific, right? <laughs> Basically, like potential titles for an ebook, uh, and then the one that won was what we created. <laughs> this is great. I love this. You, you, so, so you're. This is like the lean startup approach to free mm -hmm. content to content marketing. So yeah. you, you're kind of yes. doing you're doing the least amount of work possible, qualifying the market before you even develop the free content that you're giving away. Right, right. Awesome. Because ebooks take time, right? Yeah, well, good ones do. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, so yeah, it's like uh, my initial thought, I like to test and split test stuff. And, and you know, so I was like, I have data here, stuff that people are struggling with. But um, other than writing the ebooks, right, and then split testing those, uh, what's the faster, easier way to you know, know what people want? And that was like the fastest way that I could come up with. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you've got some pretty impressive advisors mm. at BidSketch, right? I don't know who's still current, but on your website, you, you list uh, Rob Walling, who, right. uh, for those that don't know, started Hittail, uh, also started uh, his latest uh, um, startup is Drip, uh, a beautiful email marketing autoresponder. Uh, that's at getdrip.com. Hittail is an SEO keyword app. Um, that helps you, you know, get more targeted traffic to your website. You've also got Noah Kagan, who everyone, of course, knows from AppSumo. Um, how did you build these relationships and get these advisors on board? Yeah, they're all still, you know, we're friends and they all uh, still help me out a bunch. Uh, we talk all the time and stuff. Um, and Peldi is the other uh, advisor on there from Balsamic Mockups. That's right. Um, when I first started out, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know them. So we weren't friends, right? We've, be, we've become friends over time. Um, so I started off by really reaching out to them and asking for advice, right? But not really just reaching out, asking for advice. Like I started out by actually offering value first or helping out, right? Um, so they were all... It, all pretty similar, uh, except a little bit differently. Each, each one of those people uh, was working on something at the time, right? They were working on something and everybody, like uh, generally if they, if, they have, if they have success um, and they're always doing something, right? There's like some big project or something that they're working on. So um, I, I took a lot of time to give them or uh, feedback or help them out in, in any way that I could on their project, on the thing that was really important. So I was some guy that didn't have a following, didn't have an audience, uh, didn't know anybody at all. 
but I, I tried to contribute in the ways that I could with their, when it came to their project. And then I'd ask questions, uh, you know, for stuff that I was doing. So I think the key thing though, was that, um, I then came back and let them know the outcome of, you know, like if they give some advice or said, you know, you might want to try this, or, uh, this is what's worked well, whatever I'd, I'd go back and, you know, I'd actually take action and then come back and say, Hey, thanks. Thanks for taking the time. I did this and this is what happened. You know, I really appreciate it. Right. Mm. Uh, not many people do that. Mm. Like, you know, I get people asking for advice all the time and then I never hear back from them ever again. Right. Which is fine. Uh, but I don't remember who they are. Right. Uh, and somebody who's repeatedly taking action and then coming back, it's like, Hey, I now have this many customers. Uh, you've been helpful with that. I appreciate it. And by the way, this is how, you know, um, I noticed that the thing that you're working on, blah, 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 right. Like still trying to help. Uh, and then continuously, like kind of like growing and they started to follow my progress. And then whenever they had questions, they started to come to me like, hey, um, uh, you know, I'm working on this thing. What do you think about this? Right. So then I became sort of like somebody that they can they could uh, ask uh, for help on some of their projects. So, you know, it sort of grew in that way. Then eventually I was like, oh, I, you know, they're, they're basically doing it now. So mm -hmm. I'd like to make it a little bit more formal and just have like, you know, board of advisors. It's still pretty informal. Yep. Uh, and then I just asked them. Wow. Um, I think the key here is that you, first of all, you got on their radar by being helpful to them and adding value to them rather than just putting your hand up and trying to take and say, hey, I need help, I need help, that you actually were... And so that instantly you cut through the noise because you're adding value to them and you're helping them in some way. Right, right. Like starting there is a great, great way to start, right? Mm. Uh, it's a great place to start with somebody. And even, even if you're seeking help, if you, um, the way in which you seek help makes a big difference, right? Like if you're just like asking a question um, in a way that makes it seem as though they're the first resource you're reaching out to, to. you didn't even search Google, you didn't even try anything, Right. For somebody who's busy, that's like a waste of time for them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it says a lot if you're asking intelligent questions as well. Like I did this. I searched this. I found this, um, you know, and I tried these things. I'm not sure that this is working for me. Like, what are your thoughts on this? You talked about, you know, it's relevant to you because mm. you, you mentioned this or, or whatever. Right. Right on. That's great advice. Um, I had a mentor a couple of years ago who who basically said to me, you know, the, you know it's, it's a cliche, but he basically said, the more you give, the more you get. And um, it's, only, it's only now that I'm realizing the benefits of that mentorship and how it's affected our business, so much so that I reached out to him last week. And this Thursday, I'm taking him out to lunch to thank him for that mentoring because it's, it's completely transformed our business. And I wanted to kind of close the loop and say, hey, all that work that you did, I know you got paid for it, but all that work you did really helped our business and, and here, here are the results. Um, you got interviewed on Mixergy by Andrew Warner uh, a couple of years ago. Did that help the business in any way or did it just help position you or raise your profile within kind of the tech startup space? Um, yeah, it helped the business. Uh, not a ton. It didn't make the business or anything like that, you know. Um, but I got some customers on it and it was, I got more customers than I thought I'd get from it. I didn't think there I'd get many customers from it because... Um, you know, it was just more like a tech, a tech startup podcast sort of thing, right? Mm. Um, so I didn't think the alignment was there all that much. But um, in fact, there are a lot of people who are doing freelancing, consulting, or running an agency that listen to, to Mixergy. So that was actually pretty good. It was a nice bump, and that continued on. And still, you know, I get people like, hey, um, you know, I had seen your Mixergy interview, and I signed up uh, as a customer. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Mm. It was, a, it was a pretty decent source. It was, it was good. It was nice. And do you think it helped your, your profile in the tech startup space for, like, for whatever that's worth? I mean, do you think did, did it then make it easier to reach out to people and, and, they, and they kind of knew you because they'd seen you on Mixergy? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, because everybody, a lot of people in, like in our space know Mixergy. So mm. it, was, it was a big deal. Um, and then people would start to email me or approach me about like, hey, uh, you know, um, you want to partner up on this or whatever, right? And um, 
while I'm not interested in having this big profile in, in, in our space, um, I, you know, I prefer to stay behind the scenes sort of like, you know, um, I'd much, much more prefer to have my product be well known than, than myself, <laughs> the way that I look at it. Um, it was still, it's still nice because you get to form connections and make, meet people that, um, that you, you know, are doing really interesting things and you always have wanted to meet or whatever. So it was good in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah, we love Mixergy. We're big fans here. If you if you haven't already, check out MixergyPremium.com. There's a quick plug for Andrew Warner there. Um, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing about your business right now, what would it be, Ruben? Huh. Um, probably uh, uh, finding a good designer that I could uh, work with um, because I worked with several designers and a few of them are good. It's been hard for me to find somebody that can help me with uh, app like design that is willing to do smaller because most of the people that I found and sometimes work with want to do bigger projects. So maybe like somebody who can do projects in the way that we do features, which is really small and iterative. And yes, this is a really tiny thing, but this is what we need, right? Uh, so maybe that, that's a little, uh, I don't know. Um, and testing, testing is just, uh, a, a, you know, a beast. <laughs> um, so we try to do small features and all that stuff, but sometimes we have larger features, uh, you know, and just having to really test those thoroughly on different environments, different browsers and all that stuff is so time consuming. <laughs> it's just, you know, so much work. Is anyone is anyone still using Internet Explorer? Really? Come on! <laughs> I know. Uh, we have to support it because uh, because our so it's like well you know our our customers are often you know tech right and like they're designers, web developers, or whatever. So um, we can almost drop support for it. The problem is that their clients are not that's right? right. So it's like oh okay we need we need to make sure we're good there. That's right. Awesome. All right. Hey, um, I, I realize that this is running a little bit longer than we'd anticipated. Are you, are you cool for time? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good for time. Cool. Awesome. Thank you very much. Let's get into the Elevation round. Uh, WP Elevation, of course, is the world's first business accelerator program designed specifically for WordPress consultants. So what I'm going to do here is ask uh, Ruben a series of quick questions. This is like a lightning round. You just give me some quick answers off the top of your head. Sound good? Yep. All right. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Um, uh, focus, like niche, right? Go niche. Yes. Uh, what's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Uh, the best thing I've ever done to find new customers. Oof. Like for my business, for yeah. my product? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's kind of identify my customer. Like it's the same, it's all related, right? Because yep. once I focus and know who my customer is, then I know where they are, what messaging to use. You know, it's easy from that or easier. It's never easy. Exactly. See, this yeah. is why we like BitSketch so much, guys. Uh, how do you, great advice. How do you stop competing on price? Uh, oof. so... Focus on the business results that uh, clients are seeking, right? Instead of like uh, literally giving them what they want. So instead of saying, we're giving you a WordPress uh, site, like, you know, right? This is what you want. Well, why is it that they're, you know, they're like dig, right? What's the reason that they're looking for a new WordPress site? Oh, it's tough to update content. So they didn't ever do that. They never add content, which means they rank lower. Well, then they want a website that helps them rank better in, in Google, right? So create content really easy so that you rank better and get more customers. Awesome. Any tips on writing better proposals? <laughs> uh, a few. A few. Um, Besides use BidSketch, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. So use the word that you're your clients or prospective clients are using, ask them questions, right? Like listen to their struggles, like whatever it is that they're saying that they're struggling with and exactly the words that they're using, put those in your proposal. So that's, that's one. 
another one that a lot of people miss is um, even the way that you name your proposal, like the title, the, the name of the file, the subject line in your email, right? Um, I'll get proposals for like bid sketch redesign, right? So instead of something like that, why, why do I want redesign? Uh, increase conversions or whatever. So it could just be as simple as increasing conversions through a redesign, right? Um, and the last one is uh, just doing this one thing will make people more money if they do it um, and they ignore everything else. Um, offer packages. So instead of like offering a single proposal for a single price, I mean, do a single proposal, but um, give them choices, like three options, right? You know, two options. Anything is better than one option. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have your base option and then you have like a... Uh, uh, an upgraded service that enhances that base option, and then you have the most expensive thing, which is like full service, we do everything for you sort of thing. Awesome, alternative selling, love it. Uh, what's your favorite tool or system for CRM? There are a few that I like. Uh, probably Stride is the closest that, like if I were going to build something, it'd be something like Stride. Yeah, Stride's really good, by the way. Uh, for those who haven't checked it out, it's a really beautiful interface and it's great for freelancers managing clients through the pipeline. It's really good. I'll put uh, another link to that. Uh, it's Andrew DeMont started, Stride is no longer there, um, sold it to Neil Patel, as you said earlier on. What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Hmm. To keep them on track. To keep a, you mean a project on track? Yeah. Okay. Um... I would say, I mean, that's a big, big one, right? A lot of, pe a lot of people have trouble with that. So I would say with, uh, you have to first define, really clearly define exactly what you're doing, right? Um, get detailed about what you're doing because so many times I hear about people having problems where there's this miscommunication, right? The client is getting something that they're, that um, is not getting what they thought they were getting. So then like that's how scope creep happens and all that stuff, right? Because it's like, no, um, you know, we needed to do this or that. So um, if you don't start off with like understanding what business result they're after, like it goes even all the way far back, uh, that far back, right? Um, then you're way more likely to miss all this other stuff that they're wanting to do. Awesome. Um, so setting clear expectations right from the start. Right, and, and, and uncovering exactly what the client is looking for, right? Because that'll give you like warning signs, like, hey, you said you wanted like this, like from a high level, these are yeah. your business results, but we haven't even talked about this or that, or right? It'll help you bring up other things. Yeah, good advice. Um, any ideas for getting referrals from your existing customers? Ask. <laughs> like a lot of people don't ask. Yeah. Simple. It's as simple as that, right? Like after, uh, after you're done with a successful project and, and the client is happy, it's as simple as like saying, hey, we love working with you. We'd love to work with other clients like you. Um, do you know anybody else that uh, would be a good match that we might want to talk to? Yep. Pretty simple. Yet so many people, uh, so many people just aren't, aren't putting that as into part of their process. Right. Right. Just make it part of the process. And uh, finally, in the elevation round, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? Uh, same thing. It's, <laughs> I know I've said it, but it really, it's, you know, um, going niche, right? Focusing. Like, if you want to be different, then you need to know what's out there, right, first. So you really should look at, like, competition and all this stuff with other people. But then get really specific about what you're addressing and who you're, you know, addressing that for. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, you know, you, you're right. The, it's, it's like instead of being a WordPress web designer, you could be the number one guy in the Bay Area who helps nonprofits increase their donations online. Yeah. I mean, essentially, you, you're providing the same service. It's just packaged and positioned in a much more right. engaging way. It's very specific uh, for, for, for an audience. And it's for, like, you can still say, like, for nonprofits. But then what? There are a lot of things that they may care about, right? Mm. So 
um, a good way to do it would be to interview nonprofits or talk to them more as you work with them. Like, yep. find out what is it that they mostly, mo- what's the number one thing that they most care about? Donations, right? Yeah. So then focus on that one thing. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you for uh, getting us through the elevation round. What's the future for BitSketch? Where do you think this thing will be in a year's time? Uh, tough to say. So I'm always focused on, like, we've got a lot of, I'm super excited about, like, what where we're going when it comes to the product itself and features and stuff like that. We have this nice redesign that we're doing uh, that... It's, it's totally centered on, on UX and user experience and stuff like that. So it's going to simplify things. Uh, I think a lot of people will, will like it, hopefully. Um, from the business side, I want to, of course, be more profitable. Like, so I did my whole you know, yearly goals and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, I'm trying really hard to keep the team small, the number of people that I work with small. So I'm actually looking to work with less people, right? Uh, for a little bit longer period of time. So instead of having like uh, three part-time uh, contractors or whatever, then I have one full-time contractor or a full-time employee that does just that one thing, right? Yeah. So smaller team, um, that, that makes it so that I'm communicating with less people and those people know like the product and our customers and everything inside out. They, they know it really well. Uh, and then just being more profitable profitable at the same time. Mm. I'll be interested to see what you do with the user experience and the user interface because I love BidSketch at the moment and it's one of the things that I love most about it is the user experience and my clients love it as well and we get this in the in the forums in WP Elevation there's always this when someone joins the program there's a period Mm -hmm. of time before they start implementing what we teach and so usually what happens is six weeks or two months after they join the program they start posting in the forums about how much they're loving using BidSketch and then like a month later, they'll post, oh, we just got our, our first appro- approval uh, in BidSketch. And the client told us how much they love being able to push the approval button, you know, on the, on the proposal. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, it's a beautiful experience. So, uh, awesome. yeah, just make it better. Don't ruin it, please, because yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we're, yeah, we, we involved a lot of customers in the process, you know, of, of redoing all this stuff. So we, it's not like we sat back and we just said, okay, what can we change just to change? Um, so hopefully it's, you know, it's basically simplifying a lot of things. Um, yeah, and uh, keeping the experience to where, you know, a lot of people like, like Look, it. Looking right. forward to it. Uh, okay, competition details. If you would like to get on board and win a year's plan at BidSketch on whatever plan you like, courtesy of Ruben uh, and the guys at BidSketch, then just leave a comment under this video and tell us the number one feature that you would like to see in a future iteration of BidSketch. I suggest you go to the website at bidsketch.com and check it out. Have a look at the, the current feature set and tell us the number one feature you'd like to see in a future iteration. I'll get Ruben to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. Sound good, Ruben? Sounds good. Awesome. All right, just before we wrap up, what is the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business? Uh, existing business? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, focus. So find the stuff that's working for you. And this is um, something that comes up with uh, with Noah Kagan a lot whenever we talk. Uh, and, and I'm like trying new experiments or whatever. He's like, uh, you know, is this what's working for you right now? Right. And so we have that sort of conversation. So find what's like the stuff that is working well or has in the past and then double down on it, right? And don't do the other stuff. Mm. That's such good advice. Um, oh, man. We, I had, we had our sort of start of year strategy meeting with my business partner at the start of the year and there's all these ideas we've got, all these things we want to do in the business and we spent like six hours workshopping all this stuff that we want to do and at the end of the meeting, we decided that we were going to put all of that on the shelf and just focus on what we're currently doing and just make it as awesome as possible and not do anything new right now until we've right. just doubled down and focus on what we're already doing because we know that that's working and we're just going to put all our energy into that. Yeah. I mean, you, what ends up happening is that you spread yourself too thin. Yeah. And then you, you, you're really not doing anything at an amazing level. You can't, right? right? If you're doing all this stuff, none of it is going to be amazing. But that's if right. you just focus, 
then you can create some, you know, really amazing uh, content or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. That's the key word for this interview, focus, focus, focus. Where can people reach out and say thanks, Ruben? Uh, Ruben at bidsketch.com, through email or uh, on Twitter. It's uh, Earthling Works. Earthling Works. And that's the name of your actual company, is it? Uh, sort of. It started off as that. It's not, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a big mix up, but uh, it's close enough. <laughs> Right. It's a good name. I like it. Earthling works. It's great. Uh, awesome. And finally, who would you like me to try and interview on the WP Elevation podcast and why? Uh, Rob Walling. Oh, yes. You know, he's, he's really, really smart guy. Yeah. I talk to him all the time. Uh, he's one of the best at uh, getting stuff done with a small amount of resources. Yeah super smart and scrappy and you know amazing like what he's he's always able to pull off and just thinks differently about a lot of things cool all right rob walling courtesy of ruben gamas from bid sketch i'm coming to get you for the wp elevation podcast so keep your eyes on your inbox hey ruben thanks very much for spending some time with us i really appreciate it and i wish you all the best for the future of bid sketch thanks thanks for inviting me cheers take care you too well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ruben Garmas from BidSketch as much as I enjoyed making it. Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast at wpelevation.com slash subscribe and visit wpelevation.com slash Ruben Garmas. That's R-U-B-E-N-G-A-M-E-Z for all of the show notes and the links to everything we spoke about in the interview. And remember, leave your comment underneath the video and tell us the number one feature that you'd like to see in a future iteration of BidSketch. Ruben is giving away 12 months of whatever plan you like uh, at the, uh, for the BidSketch app, which is a very generous prize. It's an awesome app and an awesome prize. So leave your comment under the video and I'll get Ruben to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the winner. Of course, this episode is brought to you by WP Elevation, the world's first business accelerator program designed to help WordPress consultants get better clients, work on better projects, and attract better fees. You can find out more at wpelevation.com and come and join the fun. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Until then, go elevate.